What up, what up, what up? Welcome to this week's episode of Pell's Pie New Orleans Network podcast. As always, I'm your host, Rafael Rattler, joined by my fellow middle brother, Garrett G. Money Rattler. Papa, what you, bro? It's been a long time. <laughs> Shouldn't have left you. What up, what up, baby? Good to see you, man. Good to see y'all back. Uh, good to see you back in town, man. Hope you enjoyed your, your time off, man. Um, well-deserved time off and with the family and everything, but... uh. Everything's all good on this end, man. Everything's all good. Been 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 watching that TBT tournament. Uh, you know, trying to get my feel of basketball. Got some some rumors going around. Kevin Durant is still in Brooklyn, apparently. So, um, so yeah, it's it's crazy, man. Crazy stuff going on in the um in the NBA uh right now. So we reached the dog days of free agency. So yeah. it's gonna be interesting to to see what we can uh we can scoundrel up on this on this show. But it's gonna be a fun with it. Today. I, I kind of like where this one is going. How about you, man? How's everything on your end? Everything's good. Long day of travel. Uh, it's I've 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 gone to a lot of cities in the last like three weeks, and I can tell you across the country, it's just hot as hell everywhere. Like yes, it's, yes, it is. you can't escape it if you're on the East Coast, West Coast, Texas, Louisiana. It don't matter. So uh, glad to be home. Glad to be in the AC. Um, but you mentioned something, <laughs> man. There, there there is some things moving. Moving. There's some some people playing. There's some. Uh, a lot of NBA players starting to dabble in programs and, and tournaments and leagues, and that's, that's just a lot of fun to see. So mm-hmm. it is the dog days, but at least the the stars are still giving the, the fans something something to watch, something to be enjoyed uh, during this this offseason period. So something that wasn't necessarily enjoyable, you know. RIP to the legend Bill Russell. That's yes, you know that's yes, a tough sir. one. I text you first thing in the morning. I was like, man. Yeah, uh, that's a tough one to leave. West Monroe native too. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are your thoughts on Bill and what he did for the game? Yeah, man. Listen, that that guy is is legendary. Um, that's about as best as you could put it. Uh, you know, for all the right reasons, right on the court and off the court, uh, breaking racial barriers, doing the things that he did. Uh, you know, in the time that he did it. Uh, you know, there's obviously a lot of infamous stories uh, about. Uh, him and uh, you know, and the Boston, the t- the things that he went through in Boston with the fans and stuff like that. But he persevered and became one of the greatest uh, basketball players of all time, one of the greatest winners uh, that the sports world has ever seen. So, uh, big loss to the basketball community. You know, you know, depending no no matter where you are, no matter who you root for, things like that. Everybody knew Bill Russell, the legend, the goat. Um, you know, the thirteen championships, eleven as a player. Uh, I mean, just just crazy stuff that he did, and you know the best thing uh that he left us with was all those pictures of him flicking people off for no reason <laughs> i mean that's about as legendary as you can get so um you know big shout out to bill russell man thank you for everything you've done and, and rest in power king yeah no doubt um uh, speaking of king willie green turned 41 this week it's wild hey. to think that, like man you got a young coach you got a young team if you can keep this thing together you know that could be something special for a long time like you go yeah. back in history and kind of look at teams and coaches they, they kind of go hand in hand like you don't have jordan without mm-hmm. having his coach right? right you don't have a lady mm-hmm. without having their coach like the spurs pop, pop, about to say pop and the spurs. Like you, yeah. mm-hmm. you, you go down the list of uh of teams that have been successful and they all tend to have common denominators of having a special coach that kind of pops out of nowhere uh to some degree so shout out to willie green and, and his birthday hopefully uh it's a special year for him and his pelicans team i tell i tell you one thing though willie still look like he get out there and get buckets boy he's oh, yeah. he, he, he <laughs> 15 right now man all right all right so Speaking of getting buckets, but Trey Murphy has been literally everywhere. Like, literally, if you're on his Instagram, if you're on 
social media of any kind, you cannot find Trey not in the gym. Like he was mm-hmm. doing work with with two K spiders, Chris Brinkley. You know the mm-hmm. shot doctor. Everybody's working with him. He was at Jose's game uh, at his. Uh, he he Jose went to go play at his college uh, or excuse me his high school back home, and you saw Trey there. He was in Frisco, Texas, watching Corey Brewer. Shout out to Corey Brewer had a game game winner in the Big Three tournament, stuff like that. He was at a program appearance. Like Trey is everywhere, right? Like what mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on you know? Trey's kind of showing himself, right? Showing what he's added to his game and showcasing it around the country. All right, well, we, I mean, we saw it at the draft, right? We saw his personality. I mean, you saw it before, right? You saw it last season, him kind of just being everywhere, him and Swin's interactions on uh, on social media and things like that. You kind of transpose that to, like, Herb, who is, like, where is Herb? <laughs> like, where, like, where in time is Carmen Sandy Herb? Uh, but Trey, Trey Murphy is more of a, uh, of a, of a, you know, outgoing guy. You, you see his personality uh, shining through in, the, in social media, and then obviously the draft. Um, you know, being there and, and giving his uh, announcing kind of his interest in, in journalism and being, you know, being among the people. And then you, you know, that he's just a, he's just a hoop fanatic, man. He's a, he's a, like like DJ said, man. He, he live in the he lives in the gym, and so yeah. just to kind of see all of that amalgamation of of his personality and his work ethic and his love for basketball, um, you know, to see all that kind of come together and see him uh, expressing himself and being, uh, you know, being himself on, on social media and things. It, it's a far cry from, you know, JJ Reddick saying that this was the quietest locker room that he in. Cause you mm-hmm. see clowning everybody and, and, and making jokes on everybody. And then you see him in the, in the, in the lab getting better doing three sixty dunks and these crazy dunks that would have, probably did well in the slam dunk competition this year. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's just crazy to see it. And so um, cu- you kind of couple that with with the, with this new height that is, and we can confirm visually that we were there and saw it, uh, that this new height that he has, um, you know, it, it's exciting to see it, man. It's exciting. Yeah. So speaking of excitement, Jose is on the 2K23 trailer. Like, this is a crazy story. Like, you and I were avid 2K players for years and years and years. You get a second-round pick who really didn't start to get into the rotation until, like, midway through the season. He's on the trailer for 2K. Like, that is, mm. again, you see all these Pelicans. We're talking about all these Pelicans around, and none of them are Zion or Brandon Ingram. That's that's a that's a tale to tell, right? Like, that's mm-hmm. when you start seeing role players and guys that are not even starters starting to get love around the league, that's when you know you're building something special, right? So mm-hmm. um, great to see Jose everywhere as well. Him and Trey are making their rounds, Najee making their rounds, stuff like that. Uh, it's really cool to see from the team. There was something that came out since the last time we talked, you know, Zion's weight clause that's that's written in his contract if his weight exceeds a certain amount with his body fat percentage as well as his weight then the contract can void i mean what's written in the contract is that basically unless he's so injured to the point where he cannot play anymore or the pelicans don't feel as if he's going to be the same player to some degree and he's waived that's the only time that this weight clause would come into effect. I know it was a big deal because of the Kyler Murray stuff happened in the uh, uh, in the NFL side of things. And then, of course, you see it with Zion the week after. You have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, listen, that 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 weight clause is is maybe to not that extent. It is in a lot of players uh, contracts, right? Like to if you you know, if you exceed a certain body mass and, and things like that. And like you said, like it's it's going to take Zion to have to like walk away from the game of basketball mm-hmm. in order for 
uh, in order for this, you know, this, this, this contract to be null and void. And, you know, I, I obviously, you know, Zion being the polarizing figure that he is both in sports and I mean, back in the NBA and in sports in general, um, you know, any little thing, uh, you know, to that, that has to do with Zion uh, tends to be big news. Like you always say, the man didn't play a dribble this season and was in the news constantly. Um, and then obviously with the contract things and stuff. So, you know, obviously there are some things that the Pelicans wanted to protect themselves from, um, which is uh, uh, what you would think is a sturdy business move, right? To always protect yourself, always do that. But Zion had to sign the contract. So obviously he was comfortable uh, with the with the money that was given to him um, and, and comfortable with the clause that was in there. It's not like he just found out on Twitter like we all did. Um, I'm sure he knew what was in the, the contract. So he signed the contract. Um, you know, and, and things are good. You know, Zion is seemed to be, you know, have found a renewed kind of like inspiration and love for the game and uh, getting itself in shape and things like that. So I don't see this being a problem anyway. Much ado about nothing. Right. Uh, I'm with you on that. So last bit of exciting news, the Pelicans dropped their uh, preseason schedule. They only have one home game uh, in the preseason and they're actually doing one in Birmingham. That's a really cool thing. Again, mm-hmm. trying to Grow the fan brace uh, in the, the area. The first game was going to be uh, October at Chicago. Who knows if Lonzo will play? Who knows? So mm-hmm. before we get into the show, as always, follow us on Twitter at Pels Pod. Uh, follow us on IG, Pelicans Podcast. Like the episode below. And most importantly, subscribe to Network. We're doing some great things this year. It's going to be a great place to invest in so if you want to be in in the know for anything football or basketball let us know so we decided to come over this exercise we stole a little bit from nick and kev over there because they got they got <laughs> something going on over there but we wanted to come maybe i maybe i we wanted to come over the list with really highlights you know the growth in the next season we talk about you know growth is not linear but everyone sees this young roster everyone sees the potential that it has and the expectations going into next season. Well, what people don't talk about is people don't always progress. You think that, hey, you've got a young player, they're going to be better next year. That's not always a given, right? Like That's why I always talk about Brandon Ingram and what he's been able to do has been special, and every year he's been better. Every year he's added to his game. That's not always the case, right? And so Mm -hmm. what we wanted to do was break down a list that kind of showcases – whose growth is the most important to the success next season now you know if zion comes back and he's the exact same player from two years ago i think you would take that if brandon ingram is the exact same player from from last year i think you would take that so like it's not necessarily who are the best players mm-hmm. on the roster but whose growth will impact the success right and so i'm gonna start myself and you know we'll go back and forth and give us your thoughts in the chat drafted up yeah, yeah okay yeah. give us some thoughts in the chat give us some thoughts on you know where you differ and things like that so we're gonna start with number 10. i had some honorable mentions Kyra, we don't really know where he's gonna be from an injury perspective so i didn't want to talk about him and Devonte graham who knows you know with, with his his contract situation if you know if there's any minor moves to be made because the pelicans have made none this offseason they might not right so We'll throw them out as honorable mentions. Now, my number 10 might shock you a little bit. Uh, I've got Jonas Valanciunas. Mm, okay. You, right. and I, you and I have talked about it. Something you've highlighted is, you know, he needs to be better defensively. He needs to be, you know, able to give you something on a, on a switch or down low in the post or protecting the paint. I'm of the thought process is 
he's not an old guy per se, but he's the old one of the older guys on the team. And I feel like once you get to a certain stage in your career, there's only so much you can do. And defense, you and I talked about it. Defense is a lot of will and it's a lot of athleticism. I'm not sure JV has a lot of athleticism that's going to magically grow anytime soon. And so when I think about his growth, I'm more so looking from the shooting aspect. Like, can you space the floor? He had a, 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 a superior year last year shooting the ball, both in the mid-range as well as from three. Can you extend on that? Your shot attempts are going to go down. Your attempts in general are going to go down. But can you force people to pay when you get the offensive rebound and go back up? Can you force people to pay when they leave you wide open for the corner three can you force me to play when they leave you open for the mid-range because again we talked about it. there's only so many times you can double on the t on the pelicans next season so jv a lot of times is going to be the odd man out who's left wide open can you make them pay and make the most of your opportunities that's my number 10 who you got at 10 yeah, jv didn't make my list man i he, okay. he didn't make my list because I, I similar to what you were saying right you were saying that how jv um, is is kind of like he is who he is, right? And I think that if JV comes back, um, and, and I, I think there's a floor for JV is what I mean, okay. right? The floor for JV um, is good enough to where I think if he he comes in and he's markedly better at three-point uh, pointers, um, obviously that would be great. I just don't expect it to happen um, because, I, you know, he's taking, obviously taking steps back um, in, in his jumper and making that three, but I just think that, like, the floor for him is is such, like, a steady floor that I don't know if if he would move the, the, the needle the way I think that some other people would go. So if I, I'll give you my number 10, all right? So my number 10 is Dyson Daniels, okay? okay. And, and okay. the reason Dyson is 10 um, is because, obviously, you know, he hasn't played in an NBA game yet, right? Um, but he has a skill set at his height that is not present on the team right now, right? It's not as a, as a, like a, a really tall pass first wing. Um, that, that, uh, that kind of guy isn't really on the team uh, right now. So I think that if he can get into the lab um, and, and of course work with Fred Vincent and, and work on his shot accuracy and timing, um, that I think that that's going to be, you know, him earning that trust from Willie Green, uh, the same trust that Herb Jones and, and Jose Alvarado kind of, uh, and, and to a later degree, uh, Trey Murphy, earned from Willie Green to, to for those guys to play in big minutes in the playoffs and then the, the run to the play-in uh, tournament. Uh, I think that he, if he can get to a spot where he can play, that he's going to bring a dynamic that the Pelicans really don't have right now. Um, if you look up and down the roster, as that that rebounding can catch it off the board and make that that uh, you know that connecting pass uh, to whoever it is in the front court streaking or whatever. So Dyson Daniel is my is my number ten uh, pick. Okay, I didn't have Dyson on my list, so look at look at us go right. So already off the dump, we were different. <laughs> right, right, right. I, I I agree with you, right? Like. Dyson can take the team to a different level if he's able to do some of those things that Lonzo did, right? Mm-hmm. Last time you saw Zion was the last time you saw Lonzo, right? And a lot of the things that got him easy shots, easy opportunities, transition opportunities came off good defense, came off rebounding, came off hustle, came off pushing the pace, right? And those are a lot of things that Dyson did well, did well last season in the G League, right? So mm-hmm. if he's able to contribute early and again a lot of the signs are that you know he's he's trending along the same 
lines as Herb did, right? Like if Willie Green's biggest biggest calling card is defense is defense. So if he's able to kind of show up defensively and grow along the way from the ability to shoot, the be the ability to be a threat offensively, I think Willie is going to insert him in the lineup sooner rather than later. I think the process of hey, if you can defend there's enough guys on the court who will be able to score, right? And so that's that's kind of the mindset you had with Herb. Maybe you get a Herb Light uh, in a Dyson Day under his year. So that's a that's a really good pick. Who you got at nine? So my number nine is 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 none other than Jose Jose Jose. Okay. And the reason Jose is is, is number nine is again um, this is a situation where you know Jose has shown his his chops, his defensive chops, um, and, and things like that. But when the when you when you when you hear like the chatter about what the Pelicans uh, need, and you know a lot of the talk this season was the point guard position, right? Who's going to be the point guard, the traditional point guard? Um, and there's a guy obviously above me that's, that we're going to talk about above Jose that we're going to talk about. Um, but I think Jose's development into becoming, uh, you know, a really good traditional point guard, meaning he can set, the, uh, you know, set the, the team up, uh, get guys b- the ball um, in areas where they're comfortable. Um, his defense is going to be there. That is something that's just going to be there. Um, that's just a, a, a part of what he does. He shot sub 30% from the three-point line last season. So so the yes, I can shoot, we're going to need a, you know, we, 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 we there, but we're going we gonna, to, we can, we can ratchet that up a little bit. And so I think if he could get it, come in and be, you know, markedly improved, on on his three point percentage and and, and you know and, and come back as that that'll that'll open up a lot of the lanes for him and a lot of the places where he likes to get into the position and we saw him run the offense fairly well in, in times for a player who is undrafted and joined the team mid season or right before mid season or whatever the case was um, without any kind of training camp or anything so he was kind of learning his team on the fly and and things like that and as a rookie that's very difficult so I think that if he comes back and he's a you know, uh, a, a different type of uh, of shooter. Maybe he gets up to 32, 33%, 34% at the even, because he doesn't need to be knocked down shooter. Um, just be respectable enough uh, to where you can knock, uh, you know, and, and uh, you know, defense kind of has to play that. And so Jose is my is my number nine pick. Where, where does Jose fit on your list? And then who was your number nine? I'll, I'm going to get to Jose in a second. Okay, okay, but, cool, cool, cool. But, but number nine was CJ McCollum. So again, okay. Similar to my reasoning for Jonas Valanciunas is similar to CJ. Like when you're this far into your career, you're not about to drastically change. Like Brooke Lopez is like the anomaly where he was this low post threat and all of a sudden just became a strictly three point shooter. I feel the same way for CJ, right? Like, he's been a scorer his entire career. He's been a shooting guard. Like, there were some lists that came out with, like, top 10 shooting guards or point guards or whatever going into next season. And CJ was a shooting guard, even though he'd be playing point guard for the Pelicans next season. And so, to me, can you become a little bit more of the floor general? Can you be a little bit, buy a little bit more into being the point guard? And from all accounts, he's leaned into that. You know, he talked about reaching out to Magic Johnson. He talked about reaching out to other great point guards to understand how do I know how to control the game from a point guard's perspective, from a floor general perspective, how to get the big man involved, how to make sure Zion's uh, getting his touches, how to make sure we're feeding the hot hand, whether it's Brandon Ingram, Herb Jones, Troy Murphy, whoever it may be. 
how do I do a little bit more facilitating? And similar to your point on Jose, you know, CJ came in with only a certain amount of games left. And so there was a lot of plays that I think were left out on the court uh, just because, you know, he didn't know the tendency of a Jackson. Hey, Jackson's rolling. Just throw it up there. He'll probably catch it, right? Like, oh, let me hit Trey in the corner. Like, those are some of the things that kind of happened throughout the playoffs, but I'd love to see a full offseason and a preseason of them gelling together, getting to know one another's skill set. And so with that piece, you know, the defense, again, similar to JV, I think CJ it is is a little bit underrated. Everyone thinks he's like this defensive walkover, and I don't think he's that. Like, he's got a pretty good uh, steal ratio and things like that. If he can be sound defensively and kind of a and, – it kind of lured some of those, you know, quicker guards to uh, Jackson, to a, a Larry Nance, to whoever's controlling the paint. You know, I think that's going to be enough, but I don't see him being this all first team defender out of nowhere at age 30, <laughs> 31 in September. I just don't see it. As far as number eight, that's where I had Jose Alvarado. When I when I think of Jose, I think of the same energy that Zion lights up the Smoothie King Center. I think Jose does it almost at the same level. And that's wild to say. It's wild to think about. For right, they, they, they were chanting Jose, Jose, Jose undra- in the playoff game. That's what I'm saying. Like in an undrafted, in an undrafted rookie last season, that is that is rare, right? Like that, he has a way that even you, you saw it when he was playing for his country. He has a way where the whole crowd is cheering his name. The whole crowd is behind his energy. Can you translate that again, right? Like, can you do it again, right? Now that people know your moves, now that people know your tendencies, everything in the NBA is a copycat league. People are going to start looking at what are the things you do well and taking those things away. What's your counter to that? To your point, you know, you don't have to be a 40% shooter, but the shooting's got to up, uptick because people are going to leave you open on the three-point line. Like that's that's just what's going to happen. Can you be more of a threat when they're doubling whoever on the wings and can you finish at the basket a little bit more? He did a really good job of showing all of his abilities, finishing at the rim with a floater game, with a layup game, stuff like that last season. What else did you Bad, right what else can you do to make sure when you're coming off the bridge you're bringing that energy every time well what are the skill sets you're bringing with you as well so i wasn't too far away from you uh with, with jose but who you got at eight i got somebody you kind of you kind of tossed up out of there i got kyra man i got okay. kyra okay. i got kyra okay. as number eight on my list listen the, the man got her 24 games into his second year right towards acl uh you know just tragic tragic stuff but before he got injured, you started to see a little bit of something, right? You started to see him. Uh, I kind of like him to like the Tasmanian devil, but he started to kind of like put it together and, and control it a, a little bit. And I think that, you know, if you look at Kyra and you look at Jose, you know, Jose was undrafted, but has shown his, you know, shown his determination to, to make a, a roster and to, to be an NBA player, a rotational player. But Kyra Lewis should be better than, than than Jose Alvarado. He got drafted before he was a lottery pick. Like this, this, this guy had a lot of potential coming out of uh, out of Alabama. And again, similar to Dyson, he brings something that the Pelicans don't really have outside uh, of of that, right? And that's that's that speed, right? That that second gear, um, things like that. I think. You know, if 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 he can he he and Zion, whenever he get he gets back um and gets into playing shape, if he can kind of lean back into some of that speed and, and get into that pick and roll uh, uh situation with Zion, um having to have to guard Zion rolling to the rim and, and Kyra being really quick off the pick and roll and having that speed, I just think that that's something that the Pelicans don't 
really have, um, you know, outside of him. And, I, you know, you talk about it, you affectionately call it the pick six plays, right? You think about those defensive uh, interceptions at half court um, and, and those full court passes that he he was the only guy back because he's so fast and he could break up that pass. And what that does is with all of the athletes that the Pelicans are going to have on the wings, you get those, you know, in 2K, you know, when the, when the camera <laughs> turn around um, and, and you start getting Zion and Jackson and Larry Nance and B.I. and all of these guys in transition, I think that those are going to be a lot of easy buckets um, that the Pelicans are going to be able to score if if, um, if, if Kyra can come back um, and lean into that. So, obviously, you know, you want to see him get back healthy and, and get that knee taken care of. But, honestly, I do think that there is a situation where, you know, Kyra can come back and make some some headway and, and remind people, you know, that he was a lottery pick coming out of Alabama. And maybe there is some kind of, you know, some, some uh, camaraderie between him Herb Jones, where they kind of get something going on uh, together in a in a in a in a rotation or something like that. But I just think that Kyra's ability uh, to run, uh, to 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 play in transition, to to advance the ball while also being the the speedster guy, um, and his defensive uh, his defensive uh, like IQ and things like that. It's a different way than than Jose plays. Like Jose is more physical and and, and crafty and up in you and, and can catch you behind and, and things. Kyra is just like I'm gonna beat you to the spot and I beat you there and now I stole the ball and I'm on the other way. So I think that Kyra's, you know, Kyra's improvement from what you saw and I think just him being healthy, improving from being not available to available um, might might really open up some things for the Pelicans that, that we're not really seeing right now. Gotcha, gotcha. All right. Then who you got eight? Who got seven then? Seven is the other guy, man. The other guy you threw out. I got Devontae Graham, okay, man. Okay, I got Devontae. Okay. I got Devontae. Listen. Another rough, 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 rough season last uh, last season for him. Outside of a couple of of, of things that he did, a couple of games. Yeah, some big moments. Yeah, yeah, some game winners, some big shots. Things that you know that he you know that he does right. Um, you know he he shot seven point four threes a game, but only shot thirty four percent, which is you know not great, not great. Um, and then you have it, you know, the playoff. I mean, the the, the shooting woes. Um, and then obviously there was a reported injury that he had, um, you know, towards the end of the season that caused him to be, uh, you know, benched. And then obviously his defensive liabilities. It just was a bad, bad situation uh, for for, for Devontae to be in. And then um, also I think he was asked to do a lot more, obviously with the with with Kyra being in. I mean, uh, with Zion being injured, and then Kyra, another ball handler, being injured. It was like, okay, Devontae, you're kind of the ball handler, the point guard, um, which I don't think is where he would be suited best on his team. Now, coming into this season, hopefully he's fully healthy. Um, and I'm just saying that he he's on the team right now. Um, you know, he's on the team right now. Um, but but so coming into the season, healthy, uh, having a, another, uh, you know, another training camp with Willie Green um, and having a healthy roster, right? Zion being back in. Uh, and, and Brandon Ingram being available. And I just think that having those guys there will free him up from to have some of the situations that he had last season that was probably sitting on his mind. Uh, every shot was worth so much for him because he was supposed to be the guy to knock down that shot. Um, but I think now with so much offensive versatility around him uh, that he should be able to, to, to knock down those shots and kind of get back uh, to where he was in that most improved player um, uh, role when he was with Charlotte. Because he was, you know, there were, there were years there was a year where he was really good at Charlotte. He was knocking down the threes. And I think just if he's here uh, on the team and he's available uh, to just knock down the shots uh, and not be counting on to do so much and his shots not weigh 
as much uh, with the with the CJ here now and Trey Murphy making making strides and things like that. I think Devontae should have a much better year. And and uh, again, the Pelicans need shooting in the worst way, and it looks like it's going to be from development within. And he's one of the guys that's going to be uh, counted on to to bring some of that shooting. And so if he can get back on track, I think that that opens up a lot of things for the Pelicans as well. Yeah, I agree with you with Devontae. He had a down year even by his own standards. And so, you know, with all the different things, you know, that were thrown into last year, to your point, I just don't think he was probably in the best situation for him. And that probably weighed on him. He was trying everything. Like, with his hairstyles, like, literally everything just kind of turned things around. Like, his mom was even telling him he's about to get benched. Like, <laughs> everything, everything was working against him. So, you know, you see he's been in the gym nonstop. Um, you know, probably working on that shot because everyone's going to have their moments. It's the next man up mentality. You know, there's going to be injuries along the way. You know, you never know when you might be counted on to need another big shot. So I'm with you there on, on Devontae. As far as my number seven, I got mm-hmm. Larry Nance. And the, the most important thing with Larry Nance is not necessarily like his growth from a basketball perspective. It's more about injuries and health. Because Larry Nance played less than, I think it was 15 games total uh, last season for the Pelicans, and that was including playoffs. And even then, you could tell he wasn't 100% Larry Nance. And he talks about it himself. He's like, listen, the the, the Larry y'all got last year wasn't everything I can do, but just because I was coming off the injury, trying to contribute when, you know, it was all the chips were on the table, right? I expect him to close a lot of games for this team, especially deep into the playoffs because of his ability to defend, because of his ability to shoot, because of his ability to switch and things like that. I expect a lot of Larry Nance minutes. I I think him and JB will be what and what as far as, you know, finishing at the five for games for the Pelicans this season. I think what he brings to the team is exactly what they needed. Now, I wish he was a little bit taller so that, <laughs> so that you know, sitters can't shoot over him and, and things like that. But as far as, you know, what he was able to show both in the play-in situation as well as out throughout the playoffs, I think that he's going to be such a viable asset. Everyone looks at that trade and, like, oh, man, the, the Pelicans stole CJ. Man, they might have stole Larry Nance, too. Like, I think that his fit for this team is just so perfect for what they needed that there's so much that can be brought to the next level once he's healthy and has a full un- offseason underneath him. And he knows the skill set of all the players around him as well. So he, Yeah, he- I – I, I didn't even I didn't even have Nat, Larry Nance on, on my uh, on my list. Similar to what we talked about with JV uh, and a little bit what you talked about with CJ, uh, I just think that Larry Nance is is gonna be his floor is good enough to where if he comes back as the same player that we saw, um, obviously he's not gonna grow any taller, like you say. Um, but if he comes back and brings that same intensity defensively, um, you know, shot blocking, offensive rebounding, if he brings that 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 same thing back, I think you'd be happy. But obviously, like you said, man, there's a there's another level of Larry Nance that can absolutely be unlocked. Um, you know, he, they, people have been hoping and praying that somebody play him uh, to the five uh, at the five, and now it looks like Willie Green is the guy to do it. Um, and when he did, you know, he, he looked like a guy that was, like you say, a, almost like a puzzle piece fit. Um, you saw it, right? You saw he 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 went from being hurt the whole season, coming back to playing 15 games, and then playing major minutes in the playoffs um, mm-hmm. because he fits so well and his skill set was so needed. So, obviously, you know, there's another unlock uh, level for him. So, I, I, I'm with you on Larry Nance being uh, very important in, in, in his improvement uh, and just being healthier 
uh, is an improvement for him. Uh, and, and like you said, being comfortable in the system and knowing the players around him and things and, and knowing his role now, I think that that'll all play into a much better Larry Nance next season. Right. So my number six, I battle with, like, ah, internally, I was like, man, is this too low? Starting to get to the nitty gritty now, yeah. <laughs> man, it was tough for me. It was tough for me. But I landed on Herb Jones. And here's why. And, again, it's not because I don't think Herb can get to a different level offensively. It's more so that he was so good as a rookie that if he could just give you that again, maybe with a little bit of a jump. Like, I look at a player like Mikael Bridges from the Suns, right? In his second year, he's, he went from shooting 33% to 36% from three. If Herb can just do that, I feel <laughs> like that growth alone – you know, makes him that much more viable. Again, we talk about the mismatch and the advantages that the Pels will have offensively with their starting five. With Herb kind of being the fifth option offensively, if he can shoot a little bit higher for percentage, I know you talked to a little bit of his ability to take the ball off the dribble, to 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 facilitate a little bit better, to have a little bit of a tighter handle and things like that. But if all those things, you know, don't just skyrocket and just grow exponentially and he just grows a little bit, uh, from shooting the three-point, I feel like that's enough. Like, I feel like he would be a first-team, second-team, all-defensive player next season, right, if he's just able to do that. What are your thoughts at six? What are your thoughts on her, and who do you got at six? Like you said, we, we'll, we'll get to Herb a little later. Right, uh, right. Herb, Herb, Herb is definitely on my list. Um, so at six, though, I got your boy, man. I got Jackson. I got okay. Jackson Hayes. Okay. Yeah, I got okay. Jackson okay. Hayes. So Jackson Hayes, look. Seven feet tall, uh, again, similar to what I talk about with Dyson Daniels and what I talk about with Kyra. At seven feet tall, there's there, the skill set that he brings is not available on the Pelicans outside of, of Jackson Hayes. Rim running, uh, defensive uh, intensity, uh, uh, switchability, um, things like that. Those type of things are not available. Obviously, you know, uh, Larry Nance brings the, the switchability, but he doesn't have the height. JV right. brings the height, but he doesn't have the switchability and things. Jackson is kind of that, that guy in the middle, right? So he averaged, what, 9, 9.3 points per game last season uh, on 62% from the field, 35% from three, 66% from two. So when he started to play at the four, when when Willie put him at the four and obviously JV at the five and they went with the Twin Towers, look, shout out to the Cleveland Cavaliers for making us go, for making the Pelicans go that route. And then it ended up being the route that they went uh, for the rest of the season uh, until obviously Herbin and everything got back together. Uh, he showed he showed flashes, man. He showed flashes on both ends of the floor offensively and defensively, right? And we started to see things like he hit a step back 3-1 game and everybody was like, wait, Wait, what's going on? Wait, wait, is this part of is this part of the Jackson Hayes experience? Um, and when you say the Jackson Hayes experience, it's the other side of the things, right? It's the lack of, of, of concentration. Um, it's it's the fouls jumping up and down. A lot of it has to do with his weight and frame, and I, and that goes into his improvement as well. Um, but if if he could kind of get you know, gather everything together, um, come into this season, focus, learn from his mistakes last season with with, with fouling and, and jumping uh, on, on things like that, and then build up from the things that he did well uh, when he first came in uh, into the starting lineup. Um, I think that those are the type of things that will make the Pelicans front court even more scarier when you think about Brandon Ingram and you think about JV and Zion and Larry Nance, and then you got like a seven-foot, 
basically a unicorn, right? A seven foot guy that can dribble the ball. Um, and now if he can increase his range on, on the three point line, get more comfortable shooting those three balls, um, those, those gonna, what you think should be more wide open shots, uh, with Zion being back and CJ having the ball more as a, as a full time point guard and things like that, like he should be able to get the ball more, um, and, and have more, uh, opportunities to shoot the, uh, shoot open threes. And so I think if he brings, if he improves on, on that level, um, it, it, it just brings a different uh, dynamic that, the, like I said, the Pelicans just don't have another guy like Jackson Hayes on the team right now. And so and with, with all of these athletic bigs and, um, the, you know, the offense, the offenses of the NBA going to pick and roll. And if you can't guard this, we're going to continue to go to it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, and the Pelicans, uh, that Jackson is one of those guys that you're going to be able to slide in um, and he's going to be able to do some of those things that you need a, a defensive center nowadays to do. So if he could come back with a little bit more weight on his frame um, and, and and be more comfortable shooting the ball and just have more concentration and, and not have those lapses um, in judgment, I think that he could be a really, really big contributor to the Pelicans uh, coming on that second line. Yeah, for sure. I got Jackson a little bit, a little bit higher up than you. So, oh, of so, course, so, of course. Oh, so, so, not you. <laughs> so, so I'm gonna let you have this one. All right, mm-hmm. we got a five. All right, so five, five is is where I had CJ. I had CJ okay. at five. I um. You know, CJ coming in in last season and changing the trajectory of the Pelican season. Uh, you know, obviously smooth shooting, uh, clutch play, uh, and most importantly, the veteran leadership. I think he he came in and showed you the his value of. Uh, off the jump immediately, right? Even with the Zion situation and the all-star stuff and where he kind of held uh, that situation. But like we talk about, the, the, the chat around the Pelicans has been, you know, that point guard position, right? Who is going to play the point guard? Is it point Zion? Uh, Willie Green talks about Brandon Ingram still going to have the ball. Well, you obviously have CJ uh, still there. And I think where CJ's improvement is going to come is similar to what you spoke about earlier is that when he realizes that, you know, he, he played next to Dame and his entire career. So he, it was kind of his playmaking chops were kind of limited. You couldn't really see it because Dame had the ball all the time and he played off of it. And CJ spoke to that, right? He spoke to, Hey, look, I have playmaker. Like I want to, I want to be a playmaker. I just couldn't do it in Portland. And not, he talks about how great Zion is, how great Brandon Ingram is, um, how much Trey Murphy uh, has improved and things like that. Well, now it's time to put that to, to action because he's no longer going to have 20, 25, you know, shots in a game uh, like like that anymore. He took he averaged 19.2 field goal attempts uh, for the Pelicans, which led the team. Obviously, that's not going to happen, um, you know, with, with Zion returning. And so with the field goal attempts going back and you still having the ball in your hand, you know, as, as a as a primary playmaker uh, at times, obviously, they're going to play through everybody else. CJ is going to have to show, you know, that he can be he can be a playmaker and and not try to force the issues. A lot of times that we saw last season with uh, uh, with CJ was that you know he would get into situations where he would get into the middle of the court and like he would shoot the mid range and obviously that's his bread and butter shot. Um, but a lot of them would be contested and if he made an extra pass here or extra mm-hmm. pass there, you know how. That that play might have resulted in something that would have been better, and so I just think that if he if, if as his field goal attempts go down, can you get better uh, better at playmaking, keeping the ball? You average five point two assists per game. I expect that to either stay the same or go up a little bit, maybe to six or, or, or so. And lastly, I don't know what's going on with CJ. But we gotta fix the free throws. We gotta <laughs> fix the free throws. Sixty six 
percent from the free throw line is, is 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 in, it's in, it's incredible. Like it's for a guy who shoots so well from the three point line and from the mid range, right. for him to have those free throw the numbers the way they were, we that's got to be fixed. And so I think a part of it also went from you know him shooting sixty six percent from the uh, free throw line, like he sees it, he feels it, and then his free throw attempts went down to three point nine per game. CJ McCollum, as crafty as he is, as much as he attacks the rim, that those are those free throw attempts have to go up. And so I think what 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 happens is he he starts to kind of shy away to from going to the free throw line because of the 66%. And that's what leads to a lot of those, you know, contested mid-ranges and things like that. And so if he can get markedly better and get more comfortable and more confident and kind of shake off that that weird free throw year that he had last season. Um, I think if, if he could get better at the free throw line, it'll in turn increase his, uh, his, uh, you know, his aggressiveness. And then he could kind of play off of his playmaking skills that way, you know, get everybody to, to collapse on him and hit the Brandon Ingrams, the Trey Murphys, the Herb Joneses, uh, Zion cutting, whoever it is, Jackson at the rim. Uh, he can use his, his aggression and his scoring to kind of help with his playmaking. So I got CJ McCollum at number five. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm not mad at that. I'm not mad at that at all. So my number five was actually Brandon Ingram. Okay. Uh, Okay. And again, it's more so of the player he already is, uh, Mm -hmm. not necessarily his impact on the team. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, what do you mean Brandon Ingram so low? What I mean by that is, can he make that rise to superstar level? I just talked about it. Every single year, Brandon Ingram has gotten better. Now, the question has always been, when Zion's on the court, will he continue to ascend? Well, now you also got CJ on the court. Will you continue to ascend? Like, can you build, put yourself in that next level? Can you grow to that superstar level to the point where you're a perennial all-star? Not a, oh, this is a random year all-star. This is like, oh, Brandon Ingram is an all-star every year. Can you continue to grow at that level? Because my thought process is, with CJ coming in and him wanting to get this group right during the summer, during the preset, things like that, the number one thing in his mind is B.I., you cannot stop being B.I., right? And so, you know, what I look to improve from him is his catch-and-shoot threes. We've talked about that in previous episodes. I think that's going to go up. His three-point percentage took a dip last year. I think that's more about how he was used and how he was guarded than his ability to shoot the ball. I expect those to go up. Can you continue to improve defensively? He made a drastically defensively last year. He was much better than he had been his entire career. Can you bring it to that next level? One of the most valued things and one of the most rare things around the NBA are two-way wings. There aren't a lot of that, right? Can you continue to grow? You have all the skills to do so. You won't be as taxed offensively because you'll have other threats uh, on the court with you. Um, throughout the season, can you grow defensively? And lastly, just like everyone in the starting unit, how are you going to play off ball? And I think this is a testament to somebody else. But you know, as as you got all this offensive power, you're trying to figure out who's getting what shots, who's facilitating what. Everyone needs a needs to be a little bit better without the ball. CJ is accustomed to having the ball. Bi is accustomed to having the ball. Zion's accustomed to having the ball. JV is accustomed to catch the ball in the ball. Everyone's got to be able to do things off the ball. So I'd love to see how Bi is able to incorporate that into his game. That's who mm-hmm. I got at number five. I'm assuming that you probably got him a little bit later. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go ahead and jump into my number four, and that's where you find Jackson Hayes. Listen, now's the time for Jackson. It's a contract year whether it's for the Pelicans or whether it's for any other NBA team, you can't go with the inconsistency anymore. You can't have the off the court, whatever anymore. 
something that I've noticed with with Jackson is his best games, the crazy games where he's scoring 20 and 15 minutes and he's got 10 points in two minutes because he's leaking out all this that comes when he's playing good defensively comes when he's bringing the energy defensively defense 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 needs to be his mindset going into next season and you can come off the bench and guard some of these guys now you got Chet Holmgren you're about to have Victor Omanyamba coming next to you <laughs> Seven foot guys who can dribble and take you. You got Giannis who can dribble and take you to the basket this way or another. You're going to need another seven foot guy who can defend against players like that. I don't think that that trend is going to necessarily go away. You're going to see taller guys want to be more like guards as you move forward. And so you need to have a body like that that can defend. To your point, like you would, I would, I would have loved to see last season is instead of DeAndre Aiden shooting mid ranges for seven game or for six games <laughs> in the series, Jackson Hayes defend him instead of Larry Nance, right? Like you got a guy who's seven foot as well. You should be able to guard him in that situation. Lock in defensively, be able to bring your perimeter defense to the post and handle yourself accordingly. There's not a lot of Joel Embiid's. There's not a lot of Nikolai Jokic. There's not a lot of centers that can put their back to the basket and, and put you in a blender at any particular time. So what you need to be able to do is hold your own and be able to not look out of place like a deer in headlights or anything like that. Lock in from that perspective, and I think you see a different Jackson Hayes this season. Now, you you mentioned his ability to shoot the three and things like that. Uh, you, we talked about it in training camp last season. Every, the word out of training camp was Jackson. Man, Jackson shooting the lights out. <laughs> Do that again because he's diving into this, this I'm playing the four thing. Uh, coming off the bench, and I think that's a good position for him. He kind of is able to roam a little bit. He's able to make his impact in different ways and defend in different ways. So shooting the three at the four is going to be pivotal to this team. If he can grow in that area, there's just – you You said it perfectly. They His skill set, there's not another player on the Pelicans team that can bring that. And if the Pelicans want to reach their ceiling, whatever it is – if you can have Jackson Hayes get to his, I think that helps accelerate that process. So um, it'll be interesting to see if Jackson is able to apply some of these things and, and be consistent with it uh, this season. I think having Larry Nance around to kind of big brother and show him the ropes and show him a little bit of things that he's missing from a basketball IQ standpoint, I think that'll be helpful. But really it's on him to see, hey, do you want it? And if so, go ahead and show it. So who you got at four? Yeah, I, I agree with you with Jackson, man. This is going to be a big year for for Jackson. Yeah, DJ, the the, the list is is a little different, just a little different. But you <laughs> but you but you love the the duality. This is this is why we did this exercise. So at number four, I'm about to about to let's 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 raise some fire in this thing because I already know people gonna yell at me. I got Zion, man. Okay, I got Zion at four. I got I got Zion at four. Listen, Zion is pro is probably going to be the best player on the team. Um, but the last time we saw Zion, he was averaging 27 points per game on 61% shooting, 7.2 rebounds, and 70% from the free throw line. That's pretty damn good. That's pretty damn good. And so, again, I, I think about the floor of Zion. If the floor is 25 points per game. Uh, that is that's, – that's obviously his – his return is going to immediately help the Pelicans. But when I'm thinking about improvement. I'm like, if he can just come back at that, we should the Pelicans should be fine. But you know, obviously, um, there, there's some things that he can improve on. So the very obviously, the very first thing you want to talk about is going to be uh, his three point shooting, right? If he can come back um, and, and and shoot, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, shoot. A comfortable amount of threes for him, whatever number that may be, right? So he shot 61 percent from the field. 
majority of it of it came from uh specifically in the paint, right? He shot uh 16.4 two pointers per game and at 62% and only 0.6 three pointers per game at 29%. So all of his shots came uh you know in, as two pointers and things like that. So if if there's you know I don't need Zion camping out and turning into Brook Lopez. <laughs> but if if Zion can get into a, a, a situation where he can get comfortable knocking down a three, uh, again, we talk about that that magic number of making one a game um, and, and shooting two a game uh, or, or, or something close to that. Uh, I think, you know, we talked about that as being, you know, something that could be realistic for him. Um, obviously, the second thing you, you want to talk about is going to be uh, his his defense, right? Uh, he he He's a he's a decent individual defender, but it's the team defense, right? Um, and, and, and it's all about his his commitment to his body and getting in better shape. Um, I think that that's going to help humongously. Um, a lot of people forget that he was right next to DeAndre Hunter on the ACC All Defensive Team his long year at Duke. So he has defensive chops. We we seen so many times, uh, so many highlights of him blocking three pointers into the stands and block catching re, uh, blocks off the backboard with two hands and things like that. If he can get back into that, um, you know, I think that not only would that help him help his numbers and help his game, but what it would do is it would help him kind of fall back into into love of, of the of the game the way he had it in college. Like he would scream and yell and take pride in those defensive stops in college. Um, and I think that he got away from that a little bit, um, you know, just being a, a, the professional and, and being relied on so much to, to carry the offensive low. Well, now that you have a lot of offensive guys to put up buckets and, and things like that, um, I think he kind of commit himself to the defensive end and help the team that way. And then lastly, but not least, he, he shot just under 70% um, from the free throw line. He's going to get fouled a, a, a lot. Uh, this season, so I would think that you know that's that needs to go up. Um, and 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 getting seventy five percent, uh, you know, at least the seventy five percent, I think is a realistic goal. Um, oh, and, but but the last thing I want to say is is his playmaking, and I see it going off in the chat about who's the best point guard on the team and, and things like that. Listen, uh, you know Zion's numbers. He he averaged the last time we saw him, he was averaging three point seven assists. But he was passing the ball to Eric, the Eric Bledsoe's and 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 dropping the ball off to the Stephen Adams um, and and the guys who were out there, you know, it wasn't James wasn't Nelly. wasn't a conducive to to have him have good numbers. Uh, uh, why. Yeah, it, it just wasn't a good it wasn't a good situation, right? Nico um, Miller, you can go down the list. It just was not. It, it was not. It was not great. It wasn't a great situation for him. Now you replace some of those guys with Trey Murphy and Herb and CJ and Brandon Ingram, who is now taking that leap in, uh, uh, to where he is now and, and things like that. I think that he sh he should be able to get that assist number up. Um, he's going to get double teamed a lot. As as tough as it's going to be to double team him because of the, the skill set around, it just doesn't make sense to not double team him. And so he should be able to make uh, some of those passes out um, CJ to Trey uh, to some of those guys who are going to be open uh, for for three pointers and so his his assist um, I, I want to see his assist go up because they are, are, are because he's making plays right not just because he's passing the ball ahead or whatever because he's making plays he's passing out of double teams and making the smart uh, plays like that and so I think that you know I, his his improvement in those areas will obviously make the Pelicans remarkably better but I think if he doesn't hit those marks. But he comes back as the guy that we, you know, that we last saw him as being. That the Pelicans would still be just fine uh, as, as is. Right. So obviously, I got I got Zion in a different spot. But who you got mm -hmm. at three? So 
I got three for Trey Murphy the third, then three okay. for three, you know, okay. three, three, okay. three for three. I, I just think that uh, he is the he's like the the elephant in the NBA right now, right? The NBA room as like like do y'all like he could be get he's almost six ten and like he is he learning how to put the ball on the ground like. There's like this thing brewing with him, and it's like, does anybody else see this? Or is it just, you know, Pelicans media? So and there's a lot to love about Trey Murphy and what he, you know, what he could do. First of all, again, his his ability to defend and shoot at his height that, again, we can visually confirm uh, that he has gotten a little taller, or whatever the case may be. Um, that is a that is a skill set. That is a person thing that they the Pelicans another person that they don't have on the roster, and that's what makes the Pelicans roster so. Cause there's just a lot of people that do a lot of things that like they don't. Okay, that's he does that, but then that doesn't overlap with this, and so that's what's gonna get a lot of that playing time kind of weirded out. Because it's like, okay, well, if you play Jose and you play Kyrie, you play all this, but Trey Murphy is a guy who at six whatever he is now, because you know he doesn't like to talk about his height um, uh, and, and things like that. With six whatever he is now, if he could come back, you know, more confident, more you know, more knowing that you are now a, a, a you no longer the cute. You know, <laughs> a, 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 a lottery pick on an up and coming cute team. Like, nah, you are now the the, the shooter. Uh, you know, for the Pelicans, and so if he could come back with that mentality, locked in. Obviously, you want to see that that handle get better uh, and, and things like that. Put the ball on the ground. But I think you know him earning those minutes in the play, uh, uh, the the run to the playing tournament, in the playing tournament, and then in the playoffs. I think those will do well for a guy like Trey Murphy. Who we we just talked about his personality and how outgoing he thrives off of you know being put into situations like that and and, and, and things like that. So I think that his confidence is one of the things that's going to be really important to the Pelicans uh, this season. Um, and if he can come in uh, and, and be the guy who can knock down the, the the open three, but then also pump fake you out your shoes, one dribble, pull up, or even go to the rim and use his athleticism like we saw towards the end of the season, I think that those are the things that's going to uh, allow, like you say, if the Pelicans want to hit that ceiling that so many people are putting on them and so many people are talking about, if the Pelicans want to hit their ceiling, if Trey Murphy can become one of the better 3 and D guys, in the league, a lot like you say, Mikael Bridges, um, or even if he becomes like a, a guy who could come in and do a little more if he surprises it, people with the things that he has, uh, the improvement that he bought. Those are the type of things that's going to push the Pelicans to that to that ceiling that everybody thinks uh, that they may have. And so I got Trey Murphy as being the third most important, uh, you know, his his improvement, third most important on the team. Now. All right, uh, I got a bit of difference by. We'll, we'll wait to get to that. As far as my okay. number three, I got Willie Green. Um, oh, that's a good one. Okay, okay. Green. Uh, like, how does it carry over, right? Like, you got so much momentum. Probably the most influential year in franchise history last season. Even without your best player, you know, you completely turned things around when it looked really bleak for a long time. How do you carry that over now that you have expectations? How do you incorporate a guy who averages 27 points on 60% shooting after B.I. established himself as a star in this league and he talks to it, a star in this league? How do you get the other guys uh, in the starting lineups to be better off ball, to get them in advantageous situations? We talked about it. Like getting B.I. in a situation where he doesn't have to dribble or he takes one dribble and he's able to get easy shots that way. Getting C.J. in some catch-and-shoot situations for as good as C.J. is without the handle, I'm sure he would relish at more catch-and-shoot situations and things like that. 
I think that, you know, that challenge alone of figuring out who works well with who, whose play styles you just talked about. It. The Pelicans all, and they're so versatile, have so many different types of bodies and so many different types of players on the roster. How do you figure out what's the best mix and match? How do you figure out what's the rotation? How do you figure out once you get the playoffs, hey, I need to go with this lineup instead of that one? How do I make adjustments in game and not wait till after the game is over and the Pelicans lost to make adjustments for the next game? How are you able to get better from your rookie year as a coach until your second year and things like that? So I think there were a lot of learning bumps that, you know, for as great as Willie did as a as rookie coach, there was some room for improvement as well. Like I think he would be the first to tell you uh, in that particular area. So I'm looking at Willie Green with, with the number with the number three pick is most important in terms of his growth going into next season in terms of using his roster most efficiently. That's a that's a really good pick. Uh, Willie Willie didn't make my I, I wasn't I'm not as enlightened as you. I didn't make it, but that is a that's a hell of a pick. Listen, Willie Willie Green for for the the amazing story that the Pelicans had last season. Um, and and you talk about the young the young young team. Willie Green was a rookie head coach. That was his first time as a head coach in the NBA. And so for him, he was learning just like the rest of the team was. And so for him, if he could come back, like I like I said. He, uh, in, a, in a previous pod, he is there's a there's a lot of the, the 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 love and affection that he has for players. Sometimes those things, get, you know, sometimes you have to manage that. Right. You have to mm-hmm. if a guy isn't working at that point in time, you know, you can pull him like you got to pull him. We, we watch you on his Valachunas get picked and rolled to death. Uh, until like <laughs> six minutes ago in the fourth quarter before, you know, uh, Willie kind of pulled him in. You know, JV is a veteran and you want to give him that opportunity to close that, you know, close in the playoffs or whatever the case that Willie was thinking. But Larry Nance was right there or Jackson was right there and you needed to make that switch a little earlier. So for all of the great things like that Willie Green did and he will continue to do and the Pelicans are in a great spot because they hired uh, Willie Green. Uh, I think, like you said, there are, there's always room for improvement, and he would be the first to tell you. So that's a that's a damn fine good pick, boy. I, boy, you need to be somebody GM, man. <laughs> I don't know about all that. And number two, uh, I had Zion. That's where I had Zion. My biggest thing with Zion is how bad do you want it? Again, you went from the darling and, and probably still in the NBA's eyes the next – whatever, Phenom, the next face of the, whatever you want to call Zion, to everybody turning on you. Like literally the whole media, everyone turning on you as for uh, as an uplifting guy with a charismatic personality who's always got a smile on his face for Zion to go through some of those mental battles that I'm sure he went through being injured for a season where you're not able to play and you watch your team grow in front of your eyes and you can't impact it. How do you come back? Do you come back the same player? Because for me, I'm like, you cannot do that. To me, I'm like, you have to come back with it on your mind that, hey, I'm here to, what AD always say, keep the receipts. I'm here to show people what I am and what y'all talk bad about, right? That's what I'm looking for for Zion. So you talked to a little bit about it, so I won't elaborate too much. How are you defensively? You can't no longer rest on the laurels that, hey, I'm going to score 27 points when you play for a defensive-minded head coach that wants the team to be defensive-focused, right? How do you lock in from that way? We talk about can you be a two-way player? You said before last season that your goal was to be the defensive player of the year. Come out and show that from game one, right? Don't take half the season to learn how to play defensive – 
uh, minutes when it matters, right? Like lock in from the jump, just like Brandon Ingram did a season ago. How can you be better shooting the ball and what have you added to the game? That's where I am with Zion. Again, very similar to, to your take on things. But again, if the Pelicans want to get where they need to go, you need to have one of the, what is the statistic? One of the top players that ever play the game on your team. Like if you want to win a championship, statistics show, history shows, you got to have one of those guys on the team. Zion, can you be that guy? That's my question for Zion. Who you got at two? I like it. I like it. Speaking of Brandon Ingram, I got B.I. at number two. I, I, I think that Brandon Ingram, his development, his improvement, I think is paramount to the Pelicans. And what I mean by that is if and, and again, you spoke about B.I. earlier, so I won't uh, go too far into it. But I think one of the things that we, we could have is similar to what you said about Zion, right? Coming out and, and having the situation where like you keep the receipts and you're, you're going for it and you're ready to show well, for Brandon Ingram, you know, he he carried the Pelicans last season all, like a lot of the time, a lot of the time. And he had a fantastic regular season. If you look at his numbers, you think he probably took a step back or it was as, as uh, you know, played to even. But if you watch the games, and I'm talking about just the regular season because he took it to another level, the playoff. If you watch the games, you could tell that he was a remarkably better player on every side of the ball. Um, but I think – for him carrying the Pelicans, you know, he he can see it as like, hey man, like I'm, you know, I'm that guy as well, right? There's a there's a there's a sense of that. And, you know, at, at some point in the, you know, when you have two guys like a Brandon Ingram and a Zion, um, it's okay to to have a guy feel like, hey, look, I'm I'm good too. Like I'm like I'm I'm that guy too. And so, you know, I think that if if there's at any point of, of, of you know in the season that they're having a discussion about right at that point or whatever that point, who's the best player on the Pelicans, you know, into the season. I think that Zion is so good that if we're having that conversation, it means that Brandon Ingram has also taken another leap. And if he's taken another leap and he's no longer like, okay, well, Zion's the, you know, the apex, the guy, the face, the, 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 the guy, but it's like one A and one B. If, if it's, if it's more, if it's more confusing than we all envision that we think it's going to be like Zion's going to be the guy and Brandon Ingram play off in this. If it's like, man, like B.I. is having one hell of a season. Like, let's look at these numbers a little I mean, bit. That, I mean, that, that means Jaylen that Brown gonna... outplayed Jason Tatum in the finals. Exactly, so. exactly, exactly. So if there's a situation where like Brandon Ingram is in that conversation and we're having that conversation, like who's the, at whatever time. Now, obviously, Zion is who Zion is. But if there's a situation at any point in time where we're like in the season, we're like, well, who's the best player on the Pelicans? Then that means that Brandon Ingram has taken a, a leap. And I think that that leap that he would take at that point would propel the Pelicans to, to be a uh, uh, much more uh, contender than we think that, that they are. So his, you know, Zion, again, Zion's floor is so, so, so high that I think that if Brandon Ingram takes another leap from the Brandon Ingram that we saw t- for this past season, then that's that's a whole different stratosphere for the team. I'm with you on that. All right. We got our one. I'm mad DJ stole my list. He came into this <laughs> chat early. I'm going to have to start talking to my producer and leave my stuff alone. Bro, I think that that Herb Jones is, is the guy that is going to have the most – if his improvement – is going to make the most, you know, the, the dent on the team or the, the, to boost him up. And the reason I feel that way, first of all, 
He went from a second round pick that we all thought was going to be in the G League to starting on defense and uh, to starting in the league. I mean, starting on the team and guarding the team's best player the entire season, right? And when he wasn't there, you felt it, right? You felt him being missed. Now, he took some lumps from Luka and Tatum and all these other guys. But if he – he was like a – there were talking heads in the in the national media who were saying, like, maybe Herb should get a little love for all defense as a rookie. And if Herb comes back better at, at defense, right? So now he's learned all of those little, you know, tricks of the trade that Lucas hit him with chicken wings and things like that. If he could kind of store all that in the, in the memory bank and come back an even better defender, because I don't think that's uh, – uh, people aren't talking about that part, right? They're talking about, obviously, his offensive game. Um, you know, he shot 53% on, on three-pointers, but only 34% on, on two, uh, two on three-pointers at 2.2 uh, per game. And obviously, if he gets that three-ball down – um, and it comes back a better shooter, then again, that is exponentially big. But if he comes back and we're talking about Herb as one of the best defenders in the league, which is not out of the realm of possibility. If, if And I'm talking about like, there's no longer questions. Like Herb is 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 stamped in, in, as is all defense. And now we can build the rest of the all defense around him. If he's that guy, um, I think that, that that inherently helps the Pelicans' defense. And what it does is it allows Zion and Brandon Ingram, and, and especially Zion, to a point where even if he isn't where he needs to be when the, off the dump, off the jump, you know, when the, when the season starts, it, it buys him even more time to kind of learn the defensive schemes if, if, if Herb is that good defensively. And if he makes an offensive jump, then we're we're looking at a different type of play, and we saw glimpses of it. I was in the building for the <laughs> Cleveland Cavaliers game when Herb scored twenty nine, and was the main offensive my jaw is still in the Smoothie King Center. <laughs> I could not believe what I saw, and that guy. And listen, only played like the, the guy. They were there. They played, and for Herb to to just. He looks so in control of the basketball game where it was like, are we, is this something that like we can tap into? And he doesn't need to be that, obviously, with so many offensive weapons. But if that is something, if there's something there that can be tapped into and he can take another leap offensively as well as another defensive leap, then that turns, that fifth starter is the one that everybody's like, how's Herb going to do? What's Herb going to be? You know, how's her? If he comes back and is no longer like, uh, okay, what's next? Then, then man, Herb is that. That is a level that the, I think that the Pelicans, um, you know, they can't even fathom where they'd be uh, with with a with a solid like a like a fifteen to sixteen point per game. Herb playing straight up knockdown defense where he's like the lead defender on a on a on a playoff contending team. That's just a that's that's. I, I'm excited to see if Herb can make that jump because if he does, I think that that propels the Pelicans to another to another level. It's wild that your number one was Herb, considering you're the offensive guy, I'm the defensive guy. <laughs> my number one is Trey yes, Murphy. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, okay? um, you talked about it a little bit, but I I think that I what I want to touch on a little bit is if if Trey is able to come out. And be the trade that has everybody holding their breath as soon as he touches the ball. 
He's gonna close some. He's gonna close some games at the four, at the three, at the five. You're playing against the Clippers that want to play with no big men. That we talked about the different types of styles and the different types of play skills that the Pelicans have. Well, you in the playoffs, it's all about matchups. It's all about where can you find that matchup? Can you exploit it? When the Pelicans can trust Trey to close and trust Trey to play big or play small, depending on who he's guarding. That takes this team to a totally different level. Again, we talk about the number one glaring issue on this team is their ability to shoot. Trey has one of those shots that literally everybody in the building holds their breath when he shoots the ball. That's as a rookie. So now you're bringing Zion back into the fold to the point where you have to leave somebody if he's the guy you're leaving, that's a dangerous game to play. And so whatever you've seen from him in the summer league and the programs with Chris Brinkley, if he's able to take the ball off the dribble, if he's able to be consistent and use his athleticism, I talked about in the very first summer league game he played last season, that guy's going to be able to rebound the ball. So if he can play up at 6'10 and play to five in some situations or play down and play three when the Pelicans want to go big or whatever it is, that makes the Pelicans so much more versatile. Because then you can match up with literally any team in the Western Conference or the Eastern Conference because you have the bodies and the skill sets to do it. And so I think Trey has a unique skill that fits this team to the point where if you're looking for weaknesses and he's able to plug that gap, the team just breaks you to a different level that you're not expecting from a team that's, you know, what, 30, 32 wins last season? So, like... If that guy can take the step that you saw all summer, that you hear people talk about, that you're seeing in this growth, he got the grown man haircut, he got the grown man uh, facial hair, like he's talking business now. I'm no longer a kid. I'm talking business. Between him, Herb, Trey, B.I., C.J., you can switch everything. And you can shoot everything, and everybody's a threat offensively. That's a dangerous position to put your opponents in. So, you know, to me, whether it's her, whether it's Trey, if either one of them take that next leap, the Pelicans are well positioned to kind of accomplish their goals next season. So, this is a fun exercise, man. Like, man, I, I didn't, I did not expect us to be that different, man. That's crazy. <laughs> I like that. I like that. I like that. that. It was a good time, but uh, again, man, we're going to keep coming with y'all. We appreciate y'all rocking with us as always. We'll keep coming with contacts as we lead into the training camp and lead into preseason. Well, what you got left for the people, Garrett? As always, you never know what people are going through. So give somebody a smile today. This this was a, a, a super fun exercise. Um, you know, let us know what you what you think. You know, hit us up on, on Twitter at Pels Pie, uh, on Instagram at Pelicans Podcast, and you know, at myself at Garrick underscore Rattler, my brother at Raphael underscore Rattler. Let us know what you think. You know, who do you think is most paramount to the Pelicans? Uh, you know, uh, success next season, their improvement. Like, whose improvement is going to you know play into that success even more? I'm I'm interested to see. I see a lot of comments on the side. Herb Trey. Uh, B.I., Zion, things like that. So I'm interested to hear from you guys. So as always, follow myself, Garrick underscore Rattler. Follow my brother at Raphael underscore Rattler. And most importantly, subscribe to New Orleans.network. And we'll see you guys next week, man. Hey, Vino.